illa tanfiru illa if not this is a combination of in and la if you do not go forth if you stay in your houses and you say like the bani israil said oh muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam you and your lord go we're sitting right here the bani israil what did they say musa you and your lord go we're sitting right here we're not moving So if you don't go ahead and you stay in your houses then what's going to happen yu'adhibukum adhaban aliman He is going to punish you with a severe punishment Who's being told Which people are being addressed Which people First and foremost the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam What had they been doing so far Badr Uhud Khandaq Khaybar So much they had done. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you decide to stay back now, يُعَذِّبُكُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا Doesn't matter what you've done so far. Don't think about your past accomplishments. Think about what is in front of you right now. If you let it go, if you don't take advantage of this opportunity, if you dismiss it, you're asking for trouble. Because many times it happens that we think about our past achievements and say, "Oh, I did this." You know, my first test, I got a hundred percent. How many years ago? These many years ago. Well, what difference does that make today? It doesn't make any difference. What will make a difference today is that the test that you're going to take now, you better do good at it, right? So illa tanfiru yu'adhibukum adhaban alima wa yastabdil and he will change qauman a people ghayrakum other than you he will bring about another people instead of you wala tadurruhu shay'a and you cannot harm him at all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can remove you and bring some other people in your place and you cannot harm Allah at all wallahu ala kulli shay'in qadir and Allah is capable competent to do anything that he wants everything he can do anything So just because you stay behind, you're not going to harm the religion. Who are you going to harm? Yourself. Now remember that there are mainly two situations where there's a reason for a person to go out in the way of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or it could be one of the two scenarios. One is that it is fard kifaya. What does fard kifaya mean? That every single individual is not required to offer their services to go ahead in the way of Allah to strive in the way of Allah every single individual is not but there should be at least some people who should do the job because if they don't do it then everyone is going to suffer but the job itself is not so huge that every single person is required some people if they do it good like for example the previous battles before tabuk what happened the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent a group a group he didn't demand that every single person should go out this is what fard kifaya but there are some other situations which are fard ain in which every single individual is required to go forth and participate and do something to serve the religion right like for example if you've studied history then you must have come across certain times where a certain country for instance demanded that every single person has to go for this battle a particular battle why because it was a huge mission it was a very important mission everyone had to go 
But at other times, people were given a choice. If someone goes, this is how much money they get. Someone doesn't go, no problem, your choice. We respect your decision. Right? And this is when, the first situation is when, you know, people, they fled from their countries or they went here or there because they wanted to keep away. Right? You've all heard such stories. Are you familiar with this? Okay. So, fard kifaya is when some people are required. Fard ayn is when everyone is required. We can understand this in a different way also. There is something that needs to be done. There is some work that needs to be done. Okay? It's a work that needs to be done by people who are capable. Okay? Like for example, if food has to be prepared and it has to be served, can any random person get up and prepare the food and serve the food? No. May Allah protect us. Right? Because if any random person gets up and starts preparing the food, you don't know if you're going to get food or something else. Right? If it's going to make you sick or if it's going to make you have a good time with your friends. You don't know. Right? So what do we see? That it's not just about every single person being required to go. It's about the skill that that individual has. When your skill is in demand, when your services are needed, you have the potential to do something. Then what does it mean? You have to get up and do something. If you don't, you will be in trouble. Is that so? Yeah. Because people will be asked on the Day of Judgment about what? Many things. One of the things is your knowledge. What did you do with it? Your money, where did you get it from? What did you do with it? Your life, what did you spend it on? Right? Your time, how did you spend your time? So on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask us about the blessings that He gave us. So if you have a particular skill and you can benefit people with it and you're just sitting at home with it, then what is that? What is that? Being extremely irresponsible. Tell me something. Are there people today who don't know about basic things of their religion? Yeah? Are there people in Muslim families who don't know about the Prophet ﷺ? Yes. Are there people who practice Islam but still they don't know what they're reciting in their prayers? Yeah? So is it okay if people choose to be like this? Is it? What's the big deal? What's the big deal if somebody doesn't understand what they're saying in their prayers? And if somebody doesn't know how to make dua? And if there's a child who doesn't know about the Prophet ﷺ? What's the big deal? Is it a big deal? Why? So what? People don't know about so many things. So what if they don't know about their Islam? You don't have to be a know-it-all. Answer me. Why is it a big deal if people don't know about the basic things of their religion? Yes? They cannot act on their religion and they cannot earn their akhirah. Okay? What else? Yes? Yes, that our Islam is not just, you know, a combination of certain rituals and practices. It is a way of life. It is a way of life which is lived in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what makes a Muslim. And if this is missing from a Muslim's life, 
then what kind of a Muslim is he? If Islam is missing from his life, then what will happen to his children? And what will happen to their children? What will happen to their children? Within a few generations, what's going to happen? Their religion is going to be extinguished. The nur that Allah sent, the messenger that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent, what he brought, everything is going to be lost. You know, once the Prophet ﷺ mentioned times of great fitna, and he said that this will be a time when knowledge will be lost. So the companions, they said that, what do you mean the knowledge will be lost? I mean, we know the Qur'an, we will teach our children, they will teach their children, and this will continue until the Day of Judgment. How will knowledge ever disappear? The Prophet ﷺ said, may your mother lose you, cry over you, I thought you were the most sensible person of Medina. Don't you see these Yahud and Nasara? What happened to them? They had the knowledge, but they don't benefit from their scriptures. They don't benefit in the least from the knowledge that they have. Do we have a lack of Islamic knowledge today? No way. There are books full, curriculums, so many, websites, lectures, books, I mean, encyclopedias. There is more knowledge that you can learn. Isn't it? When you think about reading some book on Islam, you're wondering, okay, which book should I read? Should I read this book, this book, this book, this book, which one? Right? When you want to study fiqh, when you want to study aqidah. I mean, there's so much out there. Once you dive into it, it's an ocean of knowledge, more than you can encompass. Right? Dictionaries, Arabic language itself, so deep, so vast, it's unlimited. Right? You get one app, Shamila, and it's got more than you can fathom, more than you can, you know, imagine in your head. There is no limit to knowledge today. But what is missing? We don't know it. We don't know it. Our computer knows it. Our books know it. We don't know it. So we don't know it. It's not in our actions. Just recently I was um, going through some of my old books with my friend. And she was saying, why are all these duas in Urdu? You don't even read Urdu. I'm like, well, this was from my childhood. And so I was explaining to her that Back then, like, the resources were so limited. And now there's, subhanAllah, so many books for children that are so, like, valuable to us. And so, alhamdulillah, we have so many resources for our children to pass on the deen and the message. And at the same time, it's a very big responsibility for us at the same time that we must do our jobs as parents and provide these resources for our children. Because uh, before we didn't have all of these things, but alhamdulillah, now we do. So we have really no excuse. But the thing is, we will buy the book and we will keep it. We will not put in the effort of opening the book and memorizing from it, reading from it, implementing from it. So think about all this ignorance that is prevalent amongst the Muslims. If this continues, just because the people who know, have the knowledge, or have the potential to get there, are too comfortable in their lives. They don't want to take time out to help somebody else learn. They don't want to take time out to learn themselves so that they can remove this ignorance. You think we won't be questioned on the Day of Judgment? If you have the potential to memorize complicated you know, equations and formulas, if you have the ability to understand complicated, you know, systems of 
business or economics or accounting or whatever it may be, don't you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask us, why didn't you learn this science of my religion? People didn't know and they were suffering and you didn't bother to find out. You didn't bother to study it and remove that ignorance. How many of you know how to calculate interest? Come on, raise your hand. Just so that I see that how many people know how to do something basic in math that you're taught in high school. Not in university, you're taught this in high school, aren't you? This is a simple, simple thing that you're taught. How many of you know the knowledge of the science of inheritance? Alhamdulillah, there's one person. But I wish there were more. Tell me, are there not deaths that happen in Muslim families? Are there not people who die, who leave behind property? Are there not questions that are raised as to how much share is a person supposed to get and how much share is another person supposed to get? These questions are raised every day. Every single day. But who is not there? People are not there to answer those questions. Why? Because each person is concerned about my degree so that I can get this job, so I can make this much money, so that I can buy my house, so that I can buy my car, and then I can have a nice family and comfortable life. Isn't that so? Isn't that what we're concerned about? I want this much money so that I can do this, so that I can do this, so I can do this. It's all about this dunya, dunya, dunya. Deen? Yeah, of course. It's understood. You're not supposed to really go in much into it. Because you know, you're supposed to have a balance in dunya and deen. We come up with this excuse of balance. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say here? إِلَّا تَنْفِرُوا If you don't go ahead, you who have the potential, who have the skill, who have the ability, you don't go ahead and serve the religion, dispel this darkness, remove this ignorance, if you don't do that, you are ذِبُكُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا وَيَسْتَبْدِلْ قَوْمٌ غَيْرَكُمْ وَلَا تَضُرُّهُ شَيْئًا وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ If we don't go ahead, misery awaits us in this life. And unfortunately, that's what we see. That when we turn our back to the religion, then our lives, are they comfortable? Not at all. You see people, 30 years of age, graying, Stress, loan, job, money, bills, family politics. People have barely graduated that they have a $20,000 loan on their heads. Isn't that so? Why is it so? Our lives are miserable because we have put the religion aside. We think it's not our job to learn it, to pass it on, to serve it. We think it's somebody else who's going to do it. And you know what? Somebody else will do it. Somebody else is going to do it. Whether you have a share in it or not. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent His religion so that it is dominant. لِيُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ He's going to spread this light and establish it. He doesn't need us. Not at all. We are not indispensable. If we don't do the job, remember somebody else will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send people. He will raise people. He will teach people. And who's going to be left behind? We will be left behind. We will be left behind. We won't have hasanat on the day of judgment. We will be poor on the day of judgment. We will be poor here and there if we don't do something. The story of Robert Davila.
You know who that is? No, you don't, because I do. Uh, three months ago, I gave khutbah in Fort Worth. I haven't been to that much in four or five years. And they invited me for some reason, and I went. And I gave khutbah there. My khutbah was about dua. An Egyptian fellow comes up to me, a young man came up to me afterwards, he goes, Allah fulfilled my dua today. And I said, what's your dua? He said, my dua was that Norman Ali Khan should meet Robert De Villa. I was like, <laughs> are you Robert De Villa? He goes, nope, I am not Robert De Villa. Robert De Villa is my friend. But I think Allah is fulfilling my dua. I was like, fire away, I want to know. Robert De Villa is a young man who lives in a town 40 minutes past Fort Worth. He was a farmer, young guy. And he was hit with some sort of genetic disorder that kicked in later on in his life. And he became paralyzed from the neck down. And he's actually, he lives in a nursing home. Most people in that nursing home are 90 years, 100 years. They're really, really old people. And then there's, you know, his room where he's paralyzed neck down. He's the only 30-something year old that is in the nursing home, okay? And he's been in that nursing home for the last 10 years. His family got a computer for him that's voice activated so he can give voice commands, put a headphone on and Google stuff and search stuff so he can surf the web and find information. In his room, in his room, and by the way, staunch Christian family, the minister comes and prays for him every week and things like that. And his best friend was in the bed next to him. One of his best friends. He became best friends because he met him at the nursing home. This person was also paralyzed and he needed a new liver. Okay. A liver transplant. He was waiting for a liver transplant. And they used to talk about, you know, God and things like that all the time. They were good friends. Finally, his best friend got a call that there's a donor available for the liver. So he's so excited. He goes, Robert, I'm going to miss you, but I'm going. I've got, a, I've got a donor. So they take his friend and they go into the operation and his friend died at the operating table. Now his friend, who's also a Christian, deceased friend, his sister took one of the amulets of his friend, a, a crucifix, and she gave it as a gift to Robert. This is a reminder of your old buddy. So he hung it on the side of his hospital bed. Robert de Villa lives a pretty decent life in there. The nurses take care of him. He's a happy guy. And one day he goes to sleep and he sees a man in his dream. That man says his name is Muhammad. And he says, pointing at the crucifix, God did not send messengers so they would worship the messengers. God sent messengers so that you could worship God. And Jesus was just a man. He walked in the markets and he ate food. He walked in the markets and he ate food and the dream stopped. He only knows that Jesus was just a man. He knows there's a man that named Muhammad that said that to him. He said that messengers came so people could worship God and not the messengers. This is all he knows. So he starts Googling Muhammad. He finds Islam. He takes shahada. When he takes shahada, he wants to learn about the Qur'an. So he goes on these chat sessions and finds somebody needs to teach me Qur'an. He finds a brother in Egypt that he gets together with on Skype to try to learn Arabic. Learn the Arabic alphabet. Once he learned the Arabic alphabet, he learned to recite the Qur'an. He memorized 10 surahs from his hospital bed. Then he said, I'm beginning to memorize the Qur'an, and I'm beginning to learn about this Prophet, but I need to understand the Qur'an. So he starts Googling how to understand the Qur'an. And for some reason, he ends up on my videos. And he starts watching my stuff. And he watched almost everything. And then he told, and then, here's the other, here's the kicker. In the nursing home, there was an Egyptian fellow that used to come in and do some, you know, repair work. The Egyptian fellow has his own awesome story. 
The guy had basically lost faith. He wasn't religious. The nearest masjid to him was 50 miles away. So he didn't really go to Jum'ah much anymore. But he felt a spiritual void, so he started going to the church just to feel closer to Allah. Raised Muslim. He goes to the church just to feel closer to Allah. He's passing by Robert's room one day, and he hears, وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ So he walks into his room and says, Robert, what are you listening to? Robert says, nothing. That was me. And the guy says, you're Muslim? He goes, yeah, I became Muslim. And now this friend is in shock. How does Allah guide someone in the middle of church town, USA, in a nursing home, with a crucifix on the side of his bed that he doesn't even have the physical strength to move? And the guy himself says, I want to come back to Allah. So he tells him about his friend he found online, Norman Ali Khan. So the Egyptian fellow starts watching my videos. And then he says, I wish I could meet him one day. You can watch the rest yourselves. I leave the rest of the story for you to complete, inshallah, on your own with your families. But in the story, what do we see? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need us to serve His religion. Right? The religion was there before us. It is still spreading today and it will continue to, whether we have a share in it or not. If we do have a share in it, good for us. And if we don't have a share in it, this ayah is a severe warning. إِلَّا تَنْفِرُوا يُعَذِّبْكُمْ عَذَابًا وَيَسْتَبْدِلْ قَوْمًا غَيْرَكُمْ وَلَا تَضُرُّهُ شَيْئًا وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ If you do not help him, meaning you do not help the mission of the Messenger وسلم, in his life, the companions were supposed to do that. After his life, who's supposed to do it? Us. Those who are proud of being of the Ummah, of the Prophet Allah tells us, if you do not help him, then Allah doesn't need you. فَقَدَ نَصَرَهُ اللَّهُ Then in fact, Allah already helped him. إِذْ أَخْرَجَهُ When he expelled him. Who? الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those who disbelieved. The people of Mecca, when they expelled him from Mecca, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped Muhammad When? Muhammad had a thousand supporters with him at that time? He had 50,000 supporters with him? Allah says, The second of two. There were only two of them. He had only one person by him. And who was that? Abu Bakr Idhuma. When both of them were filgar in the cave, in the cave of Thawr, hiding over there so that the mushrikeen would not find them. Because they were on a manhunt literally looking for the Prophet ﷺ, dead or alive, because there was a big prize for the one who found him. When both of them were in the cave, and remember when they were hiding in the cave, what happened? The mushrikeen, they were so close, that if one of them looked down, they would have seen the Prophet ﷺ. And when Abu Bakr realized that, he started panicking. He was so worried, he began crying. So the Prophet ﷺ was comforting him. إِذْ يَقُولُ When he was saying, لِصَاحِبِهِ To his companion Abu Bakr, لَا تَحْزَنْ Don't grieve. Don't be sad. Don't worry. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا Indeed, Allah is with us. And yes, Allah's help was there. 
because the mushrikeen were not able to see the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ made it safe and sound to Medina. The mushrikeen were not able to harm him at all. In fact, we learn that at one point, there was a mushrik who actually spotted the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr from far. And he was riding his horse. And he started riding faster and faster in order to reach the Prophet ﷺ. But every time, what would happen? His horse, the feet would just sink in the sand. And he tried multiple times until he was not able to reach the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ, he made it safely to Medina. إِذْ هُمَا فِي الْغَارِ إِذْ يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ So Allah sent down His sakina alayhi on him. What is sakina? Tranquility. Sakina is basically the peace of the heart. Seen kaf noon. Sakina is basically to become still. Something like moving, jolting, shivering, and then eventually, calm. Like you know outside when you see the wind blowing so fiercely, the clouds, the leaves, the noise. And then what happens eventually? Calm, still. Everything is still. Sakina. It's so peaceful then. And I'm sure you've been seeing this in the past few days. It's so windy and then it's so peaceful. Sakina. Sakina is basically the tranquility of the heart. When after fear, anxiety, extreme sadness, eventually you are calm. And this is a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which Allah gives to His servants. Allah gave Sakina to Him. If anyone else was in that situation, he would have had a heart attack. Isn't it so? Because people, when they're extremely afraid, they either get panic attacks or they have heart failure or something or the other. But the Prophet ﷺ, imagine, Sakina, he's calm. He's comforting Abu Bakr. لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعْنَا فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَيْهِ وَأَيَّدَهُ And he helped him, strengthened him, بِجُنُوذٍ With armies, لَمْ تَرَوْهَا You did not see them. So in other words, who saved the Prophet ﷺ? At the time of Hijrah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He didn't have an army to defend him. Who has saved him? Who has helped him this whole time? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if today you do not get up and help him, you leave him alone, you're not needed. You're not needed. Allah made him successful with one supporter. And Allah can make him successful without any supporters. Because he sent his messenger so that he would be victorious. وَأَيَّدَهُ بِجُنُودٍ لَمْ تَرَوْهَا وَجَعَلَ And he made kalimata, the word, الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا of the disbelievers, as-sufla, the lowest, sinfa la, asfal. Asfal masculine, sufla feminine. So he made the word of disbelief lowest. And what is the word of disbelief? Of shirk. وَكَلِمَةُ اللَّهِ And the word of Allah, of tawheed. The religion of truth. Here it became al-ulya, the highest. Shirk was thereafter defeated and tawheed victorious. Wallahu azizun hakim. And Allah is mighty and wise. Because you see, as long as the Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca, there was no scene of Muslims being victorious, of Islam becoming dominant. No scene of that. But when the Prophet ﷺ migrated, it is then that shirk began declining. At Badr, the next year, the heads of shirk finished. Uhud, more. And with each battle, shirk only became weaker and weaker. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted victory to His Messenger through the most difficult time. And what was that? The hijrah. 
After hijrah it was that victory came. So in this ayah, what are we being told? Allah sent His Messenger in order to be victorious. If you don't help Him, Allah doesn't need you. He helped Him without you. The religion will continue even without you. But if you turn away, this would be the height of ingratitude on your part. Because the Prophet ﷺ, as a messenger, did he fulfill his responsibility? Yes. Did he not suffer in the way of Allah? Did he not go hungry in the way of Allah? Did he not suffer in his personal life? Was his wife not accused? His daughter, did she not suffer? Did he not lose so much in the way of Allah just to pass on that religion to us? So what are we doing in return? The Prophet ﷺ said, a hadith in as-silsilatu sahiha ana hazzukum min al-anbiya wa antum hazzi min al-umam. I am your share from among the prophets. From among all the prophets, who is your prophet? I am Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? And he said, you are my share from among all the communities. All the people that have passed, who is mine? Which people are mine? You are. So in other words, I am yours and you are mine. The Prophet ﷺ, did he fulfill his duty towards us? Yes, in the most perfect and beautiful manner. Anything good for us, he taught that. He prayed for us. He sacrificed. He gave everything that he could. What are we doing? What are we doing for the mission of the Prophet ﷺ? This Qur'an that the Prophet ﷺ received with so much difficulty, that if the wahi came on him on a cold night, you know what would happen? He would begin to sweat. If the wahi came to him, and his knee was resting on the knee of his friend, his friend would think, my knee is going to break. The pressure was so much. This Qur'an he received with so much difficulty. He passed it on with so much difficulty. Now that it is in front of us, can we please do our lesson? Can we please try to understand and memorize the meaning? Can we please try to perfect our recitation? Out of gratitude for the messenger who received it and suffered to pass it on to us? Can we at least bother to open up the Qur'an and read it out of gratitude? The Prophet ﷺ did his part. What are we doing? What are we doing? Allah doesn't need us. We need Him and we need His religion. Recitation. إِلَّا تَنْفِرُوا يُعَذِّبْكُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا وَيَسْتَبْدِلْ قَوْمًا غَيْرَكُمْ وَلَا تَضُرُّوهُ شَيْئًا وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ إِلَّا تَنْصُرُوهُ فَقَدْ نَصَرَهُ اللَّهُ إِذْ أَخْرَجَهُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِذْ أَخْرَجَهُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا ثَانِيَ اثْنَيْنِ إِذْ هُمَا فِي الْغَارِ إِذْ يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا 